If you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. Today's chat's been brought to you by International Horse College. We have a mission to improve the welfare of horses throughout the world through the safe education of riders, handlers and trainers and that's what these chats are all about. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Today's guest is Fran Griffin. Fran started off eventing and also did some dressage and show jumping. She's also worked in the thoroughbred industry and done some natural horsemanship. Fran's still judging dressage, but she's working on more of a holistic approach to a horse's riding and training. How are you, Fran? I'm good, thank you, Glennis. It's great to be here. Good to have you here too, Fran. Fran, we normally start off with a favourite quote. Have you got one for us? Yeah, I've actually got two. So Mm -hmm. I'll start with the first one. And the first one is from the Dalai Lama. And his little quote is, the purpose of our lives is to be happy. And I really love that because in the horse world, it can get a little bit serious and a little bit tough sometimes. And particularly if we're looking at competition or or training, um, we can forget to be happy. And I just love that little quote about being happy and keeping happiness as our number one priority, not only for ourselves, but also for those horses that we're working with. When you first came across that quote, was that a pivotal moment for you or was it just already a good quote because it expressed the way that you already felt? I think when I came across it, it probably was at a time when I realised to bring more happiness into the horses. Mm -hmm. I've been with horses all my life and I'm in my mid-50s now and I did start in the thoroughbred industry and then as an eventer and then I went on to be an EA coach. And whilst I've always been happy, I realised that it started to be more of a job and I started to get worried, a little bit more worried about outcomes and I started to look around for something a little bit different to add in to my training. And I added in a little bit of natural horsemanship, which kind of brought a little bit more fun back. And I think that's why that quote means so much to me, to just remember to bring in a little bit of fun and maybe to look a little outside the square sometimes. Mm -hmm that we don't have to get too blinkered and too serious and still achieve all the things that we wanted to achieve. Yeah. What was your second quote, Fran? So the second quote is one from Albert Einstein, Mm -hmm. and it says, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. And that means two things to me. I'm, I'm not sure I like the word insanity so much. I might swap that out for something like the definition of confusion. It means two things for me when we're talking about horses and people. Sometimes I feel like people can get stuck in a pattern that they can't get out of and they're expecting that that same pattern will produce a different result where they, it just doesn't because they're stuck in their patterns. And the same for horses where we keep saying the same thing over and over to the horse and he's just not understanding it or he's just not capable of working through something and we just keep hammering the same question and expecting something to change when really we needed to change the question. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I really like that quote for, you know, two sides of the coin. Do you use that then to explain to your students? Yes, all the time. Mm-hmm. I work a lot on the relationship between horses and riders now and 
we've got a strong focus on building the communication and the confidence between the pair. So I'm always talking about people checking their own patterns and what's brought them to where they are to date and then also really looking at what the horse needs and does he need a little change of pattern or a change of thought as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. And just moving on now about starting with horses. Have you got memories of when you first started? Yes. I was a mad keen horse girl, like a lot of us are, when I was young, and we lived in the city, so I didn't have access to horses. And I started to pester and pester the the parents about horses, and I finally found a friend who had a horse that lived at a farm, and we used to go out in school holidays and play with her horse and double dink on the horse and have lots of fun, but we were both city kids, so we came back to the city and we didn't have any way of having a horse. And then finally, when I was about 16, I got a job down at the racetrack as a part-time strapper while I was still at school and doing my studies. So I started to have more contact with horses then and learnt a lot more. And then that's when I got my first horse. So I had a little bit of pocket money that I could pay for the horse. I finally talked my parents into allowing me to get a horse and we just put it on adjustment. So that's where it all started. Mm -hmm. And... I'm from the Hunter Valley, so I was lucky enough once I got started into Pony Club and got interested in horses, I met up with the Ryans. They were at okay. at Lochinvar at that yep. time. And Matthew Ryan is about my age, so I was hanging out with that crew and that's what took me down the path of eventing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right, that would have been, yeah, We, um, I think Heath Ryan has been about our longest interview. I can't remember the exact episode number, but I'm sure if people go to horsechats.com and search for Heath or search for Ryan, they'll find Heath's interview, which I thought was very informative, you know, very, very informative for the time that he was on the call. I sort of just wanted to keep him there for longer. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I'm thinking about, you know, having a career with horses, but working in the racing industry, you already started off with your career in the horses. What made you decide to stay in the industry? What was your path there? I think that there's always that drive to have horses as part of my life. That started quite early. Mm. And I think probably getting into the racing industry early, I understood that there was possibilities where we could work with horses and also play with horses and have horses as recreation. I wasn't sure that the racing industry was going to be my path. It was an introduction, but it certainly wasn't ticking all the boxes for me. And then when I started to have my own horse and and compete a little bit, it was the Lochinvar Equestrian Centre that probably set that spark in motion where I realised that people were working towards their dreams and working towards building lifetime work in horses mm-hmm. at yes. that centre. We, we we had a really vibrant time where Matthew was, was starting to be selected for big events and then went on to be an Olympian as well. So I think that was probably the seed that kept me going and I realised that I could do that through coaching. Mm-hmm. So very mm-hmm. early on I, I studied hard and um, became an EA coach way back in when it first started in 1986. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, no, that's good. That's good. Now, if someone's going to start in a career with horses now, tell me about the core skills or character traits that they need, what you'd recommend. I still think that the horse industry is tough, (laughs) so they certainly need resilience, and I think they'll need 
to have a real passion for it because just hard work and making money will never be enough because it's quite volatile. It's a volatile business. Now, I'm not saying that it's not lucrative and people can make good money and people can have a great career, but it does take a fair bit of resilience, I mm-hmm. believe, to do that. And I think constantly working on yourself as well so that you've got enough personal development to ride the highs and lows of a, a quite a changeable industry. It's quite changeable and I think just following your passion and working on yourself, keeping an eye on what really floats your boat rather than trying to just make money out of something. And there's a quote somewhere, and I I don't know exactly what it is, but it's something like if you do what you love, you're never going to work a day in your life. And I think for us horse people who have been in the industry forever, that's really true and that's what keeps us going and that's what keeps us able to keep going is the passion. Yes, yeah, and I do like that quote. If you do what you love, you're never going to work a day in your life. Mm. What's the best thing about working in the horse industry? You might have already said it. Yeah, I think being able to marry passion with lifestyle and being able to make it your job if it is a job. I really feel it's never been a job. I think the other thing for me is independence. Often in the horse industry and and as a coach, you really do run your own race and you, you choose your own path in coaching and you choose how you're going to run your business and you choose really choose which students you're going to aim towards. So there's a lot of independence and there's a lot of entrepreneurship, really, which I like. I don't mind a little bit of instability and a little bit of excitement. So that really helps me and keeps me going. So mm-hmm. I really enjoy that part of the business. Yeah. Yep. You've already talked about um, the Ryans. You talked about Matt Ryan and Heath and Rosie Ryan influencing you. Who else has influenced you? Well, after those early days when I took up the eventing bug and went eventing and started to teach, I was really interested in all the facets of eventing, so dressage, jumping and the cross country. And I was enjoying going along, working with that. And I had an advanced horse that was really, really strong cross country mm-hmm. and we we're going quite well but I, I was having a little problem with him being very strong and I saw an ad about something like using a bigger brain than having a bigger bit or something like this and mm-hmm. an ad mm-hmm. and it was actually for Pat Pirelli and I had never heard of Pat Pirelli before but I went along to his workshop and watched what he had to say and I realized that although I had some great skills and I had some great input from what I'd already done that I might have been missing some horse psychology and some things in there that might have helped with my horse. So I went on to study natural horsemanship and it really did help my horse quite a bit. So I've taken that on as well mm-hmm. in my teaching now. Good complementary skills, aren't they? One yeah, the other. yeah. 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 Okay, now horses who've influenced you. You know, you talked about your advanced horse that you need the big bit for. Yes, yes, and he has been the most influential horse because at that point when I'd I'd gone to advanced, and he was the only horse I ever took to advanced, I had everything there, but I was having a little bit of trouble with the cross-country phase and him being very strong. And so we did go through some natural horsemanship And that really changed us around. And then he went on to where I could actually ride him completely bridleless, which blew me away. Mm. (laughs) So 
to be able to have a... He was an ex-race horse who went through his early eventing up to advance, then did a bit of natural horsemanship, and then toward the end of his life, being ridden around even on trails without headgear on was quite amazing. So it really taught me that there's everything within each horse that in any moment they can be a little bit worried or a little bit soft or they've got everything in them. They can be emotional or they can be calm. There's everything there. So this little horse really showed me he had great talent. He was really great, but he could also be calm given the right cues and given the right training. Mm -hmm. And he also, we kept him till he was 29, um, lost him when he was 29. But in his later years, he went on to be the horse for my daughter to ride. So he went from being quite a strong, almost a little bit difficult advanced eventer to the kid's pony (laughs) at the end. What was his name? His name was Star Peru, was Mm -hmm. his jumping name, but we just called him Al. Yeah, and he's just gorgeous, gorgeous horse, and he really showed me how amazing they are. Yep, yep, yep. So with him, when was your proudest moment? I think probably in competing, just getting around a big three-day event at that level. I was just proud to do that on him and reach that level because for me that was the pinnacle of what I did eventing. So that made me proud, but I think... Even more so, just proud that I had that time with that horse and had a long relationship with him and how we went through everything together. Mm -hmm. And also proud of the horse himself for coming through a lot of different emotional levels and being our family horse, really, for all those years. Yep, yep. So to get him, you, you said about the challenge that you had with him, you know, with the bit that you didn't want to just keep putting him in a bigger bit because he was getting strong. Is that your major challenge, do you think, or has there been anything else? I think riding, that was probably one of the bigger challenges in my competing. But I think the bigger challenge, if I'm thinking about a lifetime with horses, is really the mental game. Staying positive and having self-belief through all the ups and downs and staying positive in the coaching career and staying positive when you're taking a little bit of a different track and it may be a little bit out of the box and maybe you're getting a little bit of peer pressure there. So I think for me, one of the challenges is working on the mental game and Mm -hmm. working on myself. Yep. And not that that's a difficult or a bad challenge, but I think it's something I work on or have worked on and still am and will be for a lifetime. Yes. Keeping that mental game going and keeping that positivity and looking ahead and looking for what we want, not what we don't want. Mm-hmm. I think that that is a challenge, but it's a great challenge. What would you say to someone who's making some difficult choices at the moment and wants to do things, as you say, a little bit out of the box? What would you say to them? You know, they might be training and coaching or doing well in a fairly straightforward aspect with horses and they might it might be a different type career or diff, something a bit different what would you say to them you know where there is that peer pressure and pressure from other people to not make the decision to do it different you know to just take the path that everyone else has taken what would you say to them yeah I've been in that position a few times When I left school, I trained as a radiographer, so I had a profession, and I was teaching part-time, 
and as I went through in that profession, I was doing less and less radiography and more horsework, but there was a strong pressure for me not to leave the radiography because I'd studied hard, had a profession, made good money in that, but my passion was deeply into the horsework and to really take it that next step I had to make a change and I held off longer than I probably could have. So my advice would be follow your gut, follow your dreams, focus on what you want, work hard and you can do that, you can definitely do that and I did make that break, I made that break 15 years ago now but I could have done it a little earlier had I been a little braver if that's the word or had I had a little more self-belief so I think if I'm giving advice it is to really know what you want yep. really know your passion know it well and really keep looking towards what you want mm-hmm. so not doing not making any decision based on what you should or a decision based out of fear but a decision based on on a knowing, a real knowing that this is where I want to go and, and I feel good about this and this is the right decision. Because yeah. you will get pressure. You get pressure from everywhere. Oh, for sure, for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Putting on your coaching cap and, um, you know, any just your, your general, because you really work on the connection that people have with their horses, you know, and working on the relationship. What's a common fault that you see with riders or with with handlers you know between people and their horse what's something that you could ask them what do you see and what could you ask them to check or do to help make that relationship better yeah I think one of the main things I see is that the person doesn't have an understanding of their own energy (laughs) and what they project to a horse and their own space as well, the space that sits around them. So on the ground, that's what I see quite a bit, that they need to understand a little bit about that physical space that's just around them, how they can make that space calm but strong so that there's a little connection between the horse but there's a leadership quality to it, and then taking that onto the horse's back. So taking that same feel of, of the energy being strong but calm and very focused and calm, a bit like a meditative state, so that the horse can connect to that. And then that makes the communication flow from Mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. When there's a disconnect in the energies, when the person isn't feeling... um, It's not even just about confidence. Sometimes it's if they're feeling a little bit frustrated or angry or something's not connecting there, it's quite difficult then to communicate with the horse as well as you could. Yep. So that's where I see it. On the ground particularly, horses pushing people around a little bit, so they're pushing into that personal space and moving people around, Mm -hmm. or horses running away from their space. If they're a little bit bothered, they they don't connect and they they move away from the space. Okay. So working on the ground first, is that always recommended or what do you find is easier? I always start on the ground Mm -hmm. and take that through... First of all, just working on matching energies and feeling the energy ourselves and then taking that into in-hand exercises for the horses. So anything that we do on the back, doing that on on the ground as well, Mm -hmm. having the horses softer and rounder and transitions and shoulder in and quarters in and all that sort of thing. I always do all that in hand as well as written. And I think that gives the person a little bit more time 
to adjust their own energy and their own positioning as well mm-hmm. before they actually get onto the horse. Okay. So, yes, okay. I always do groundwork first. To get that groundwork established and the energy yeah. established first. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Fran, have you got a book that you could recommend for our listeners, something that's going to complement their training? Well, I've got my own book. Yep. Tell <laughs> us about that. So uh, a few years ago, actually, I, I met a lady who you've already talked to, Tanya Mitten. Yes. So I met Tanya probably about six or seven years ago. And she helped me a little bit more with my self-belief about my coaching career. And I was talking to her and saying that I had a few things to say, but, uh, you know, I wasn't very um, good at writing and I wouldn't mind doing a book, but I didn't think I could do it and all these things. And Tani really encouraged me to get some things out and put them on paper. Mm-hmm. So I did that and wrote a little book and it's just called Communication and Confidence with Horses. And in that, I talk about the energy idea. I talk about how to harness your own fears and work through fear. I feel that's a big part with recreational horse riders, that they struggle a little bit with fear and confidence. So there's sections on that as well. And just a general overview of some groundwork and and how you might get started in that that idea of marrying groundwork and riding together, a little bit of natural horsemanship thrown in there. All right, we'll get a link to that um, before we finish as well. And just for those people that might want to go back and have a listen to Tanya, Tanya's actually spelled T-A-N-J-A and then Mitten, M-I-T-T-E-N. I don't know the episode, but if you go through and just do a search on horsechats.com for that. Yep. Mm, and that would be another book I would recommend. Tanya has just brought out an, a second book mm-hmm. and it's called It Takes Two to Tango. Yes. And in Tanya's second book, her first book is a bit more of a story about her life and how she got going in in horses, but her second book is much more a how-to and I've been lucky enough to see a preview of that. It's just come out this week and I've been lucky enough to be around while she's been writing it and and I've seen her her preview of it and uh, it's fantastic. It's a great book. So I'd be looking out for that one as well. And remember, you can find all the books recommended by our guests at horsechats.com slash books. You can have a look at the guest page for the individual book they recommended or just look at the recommended books by order of popularity at horsechats.com slash books. What are you looking forward to now, Fran? I've branched a little bit into equine-assisted learning as Mm -hmm. well now, as well as my general horsemanship coaching. And I've just been working a little bit with a couple of social workers in our area and we've been working with at-risk teenagers and helping them with their personal development using our herd of horses. And that's been really rewarding. And I'm looking forward to doing a little bit more of that in amongst my horsemanship training as well. Also really looking forward to digging a little bit deeper on the fear side of things, with uh, particularly with women, probably that age group of 30 to 60 who are coming back into horses or they may have had a little scare or a fall or they're they're just wanting to find that happiness and find that fun again that they've lost because they're a little bit fearful. So I'm looking forward to digging a little bit deeper into that side of things and helping women with that as well. And um, one more little fun thing we've got happening is I'm heading off to Vanuatu in September and doing a little clinic in Vanuatu, taking a small group from here 
and we're heading over there to a horse rescue place and working with a couple of their horses and having some nice rides in the in the beautiful beaches there at Vanuatu. So that's going to be a lot of fun too. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds good. The other thing, we might get you to come back when you come back from Vanuatu, Fran, if you can talk to us a bit more just about what you've done over there and what you've learned. It'd be really good. Yeah, that would be great. Okay. Now, Fran, before we go, in just a few sentences, can you sum up your philosophy with horses into a message for our listeners? Yes, I think my philosophy is that horses are really beautiful, sentient beings and they've they've got a lot to offer us. It's far more than competition and and what we can do with them I think they can offer us so much more about finding our own self Mm -hmm. and finding more awareness and finding our authenticity and the truth and they offer something to connect to so horses can help us to be a little bit more vulnerable and help us to learn how to interact not only with the horses but also with our own species with yep. people as well and to also just be a little bit happier I keep coming back to happy purpose of our lives is to be happy just be happy human beings and live our lives with passion and live our lives to what we want to do and get all the outcomes that we want <laughs> that's my thought <laughs> is that horses can can offer us so much more than just riding Fran, have you got some contact details if people need to contact you? Yes, um, we've got the website. So the website is www.hunternaturalhorsemanship.com and on the website there's a contact page there with all our details there with email, phone numbers. Um, We're on Facebook and I think that's probably the best place to find us is through the website and through Facebook. Okay, and those contact details as well, they'll be on horsechats.com slash Fran Griffin or just go to horsechat, search for Fran or search for Griffin. And as well as all the contact details, there'll be the links to both those books that Fran talked about as well. All right, Fran, thanks for talking to us. Thanks for um, sort of taking us through your journey, you know, of going from a more classical racing background and then a more classical background and then um, to a holistic and sort of going forward now into equine-assisted learning and and looking at conquering fear. I think, um, you know, you've, you've certainly brought in some different aspects to the podcast and, you know, hopefully people can take them and, and just broaden their point of view about horses but also about careers within the horse industry. So thank you. Thank you, Glennis. Okay, bye. Bye-bye. Thank you. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate and subscribe. If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government-accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below 